Well, once again, as we prepare to encounter God's word, let us ask the Holy Spirit's guidance. Let us pray. O Holy Spirit of God, speak to our hearts this a word of hope and strength as we open this text hearing your word inspired. Amen. Our lectionary text this morning comes first from the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, chapter 1. The book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke, the same one who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he even refers in the book of Acts to his former book, which means the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is telling his disciples that they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit soon, and they don't get it. They're off thinking, aren't you going to overthrow our, this Roman occupation and usher in and restore Israel? And Jesus is saying, no, no, but you will receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you will go out of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter parts of the world to spread the good news, a great message of hope. Hear now from the Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together and asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of, to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, whom has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. And then our gospel lesson today, taken from the gospel of St. John, chapter 14. This again is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, known as the Advocate, the one who will teach you, the one who will remind you, the one who will give you peace. That is the promise for us today as well. 
Hear now the words from John 14. Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The word of the Lord. You know, I think that the ascension of the Lord is for us a reminder of our faith. The times when perhaps we feel abandoned by God and, and we're sort of staring in the clouds of our own lives, left wondering, is God really on the other side of all of this that's going on? The promise of ascension is that Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended, so therefore the very presence of Christ's spirit and his power is with us in a new way. Let us pray. O Lord, may your holy word speak to us your truth and fill us with a desire to worship and serve you anew. Amen. You know, we all seem to notice that on a Sunday morning, there's a great divide that takes place all across America. Some people go to church, but most in this day stay home. And they're not staying home just to take a week off out of church and will be back in their pew next Sunday. No, nope, no. Nope. Church is just simply not a part of their lives. Actually, I was raised in Arkansas and growing up, that was exactly how my family sort of felt. Um, we looked at churches more like a museum. Um, basically, a place that was fussed over, and um, we didn't understand the real significance of church. It seemed like a peculiar thing from a distance, an unchurched child, an unchurched family. We could just see the church as being there week after week, people would show up with no intention of being useful or productive for an hour, and they would look at a cross and declare things again and again, and even say sometimes the same words over and over and over about a God they cannot see, and then leave as though something really important happened. We call this worship, our word for what we do on Sunday morning. It may be hard to justify to those who, who don't understand, but we do it over and over, and we count on it. It's how we learn where we fit. 
It's how we find ourselves between the past and the future, between our hopes and our fears, between heaven and earth. It's how we know who we are, what we are supposed to be doing. We come together and we sing and we pray and we're silent and we look at our suffering and our pain and our celebration and our joy and we tell each other our stories. Sometimes it, it must baffle our unbelieving friends who do not participate in this. At times it even baffles us because we still proclaim that we come here and hear good news even when the news is bad because we trust in a Savior. When a big part of the world suggests that God just packed up and left this earth a long time ago and we're on our own to get by, we are convinced that God is with us and especially near to us in those moments when we need God most. Jesus led his disciples out on this hill, Mount Olivet, outside of Jerusalem, and he spoke to them for the last time. Think of the tenderness. And then while he's there with them, he disappears in a cloud for good. Our scripture decides that he was with them one moment and then the next moment he's gone. He raised his hand in blessing according to Luke and then vanished in a cloud. And yet the memory of that impacted them greatly for the rest of their lives. Where he went, according to scripture, is to heaven, which may not, whoa, may not be up, it may just be beyond, but what he went to do was to finish the work that he had begun here with us. He went with his ascended body to sit at the right hand of God the Father and to intercede for us. He presented his own mangled body, that risen body, to be seated with God and brought flesh and blood into the holy precinct of heaven for the first time which paved the way for us by restoring creation, us, particularly ours, as though it is good. These bodies are good. Now, whether he ascended physically or in a spiritual body, we do not know. But we know that that body that he came back with showed the scars he was able to show them the scars, the wounds, which says that we are good, all the mangled parts of us as well. Jesus is saying, it is good, for he's bringing us to God and God to us. Every part of us, the good and the bad and the ugly. One woman was with her son, and she was close to death, and the son said, Mom, it's okay for you to go. Is there anything you want to say? And his, her answer surprised him when she said, Yes, I'm not ready to go. 
I wasn't a good enough mother. I did some things I wish I would not have. I would like to take them back. I would love to do over. I made so many mistakes, and now I don't have the strength or the time. And for Ascension Sunday, that is good news. That is good news, that we are good enough just the way we are for heaven. Mangled and mangled lives, unfinished business. We don't have to clean up first. In fact, Jesus did for us, paved the way for us to follow just the way we are. That's why we don't have to have last rites. We go as we are. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father with his ruined body, saying, flesh and blood is welcome here. So my question today is, does ascension have anything to do with our day-to-day -day lives? You know, it seems like everything else Jesus did seems to connect in terms of my own life. For instance, Jesus was born to a human mother, and so was I. He ate and he drank and he was tired and needed to sleep, and so do I. He even got angry and he forgave and he loved people, and so do I. He wept, I too. He died and I will die as well. He was resurrected and I too will be resurrected. I trust in all of these things. But he ascended at the right hand and seated next to the Father, and that's where Jesus and I part company. The only connection I have with the ascension is looking with my mouth open, thinking, what could have happened? What did that mean? Now, the book of Luke ends by telling us that when the disciples saw that and heard what Jesus said, there was great joy as they returned to Jerusalem remembering that this experience was very real to them, and they're running on adrenaline. They knew that Jesus said he would be back, and I can imagine they thought he would be back in two or three days, maybe two or three weeks at the most. Kids, did you get that? Two or three days or two or three weeks, but it's 2,000 years later. And we see, tend to see things a whole lot differently. We want him to return. We want his presence. We want his eminence. We want Jesus. And the ascension reminds us of his absence. No wonder Ascension Sunday is not exactly a Presbyterian high holy day. Even though John Calvin truly believed it was an important day, he said it is the promise of things to come and a guarantee that we will all one day be resurrected. John Calvin saw it as an important day. You know, I think it's the sense of God's absence that brings us to church week after week, searching for God's closer presence. When our prayers are unanswered, when our heart pounds with anxiety and fears, we come here again and again and again, and we bow our head and we pray and we talk to God. 
Here we experience in a, in a very real way the presence of Christ, and we do it again and again. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? The two men in white robes said to the disciples on that Mount of Olivet. Um, we can imagine that they were probably angels in white robes that God sent to speak to the disciples and telling them there's no reason to continue looking up. There's no reason to do that. Better that you should look around and look at each other and look at the world and look at ordinary people in your ordinary life because that's the way you're going to see him, not the way you used to know him, in a new way now. And it will be in, in your bodies and in their bodies that the ascended Lord will be present. You know, I can imagine all of the disciples standing around, none of them guessed um, what was going to happen. And uh, more than likely, if they even thought what was going to happen, they probably would have taken Jesus and locked him up and decided so we can hang on to him forever. But that is not what happened. This group of, of disciples chose, with just a promise and a prayer, that they would become the church. And from that point on, things changed for them, every one of them. The followers became leaders. The listeners became preachers. The converts became missionaries. The healers became healers for others. Disciples became apostles, witnessing the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were never the same again. Yes, they probably wouldn't have planned it that way, but when they stopped looking up and started looking at each other, they became the church and went about the business of being the church. And I think that is our charge for us as well. Here at Westminster, through the power of the Holy Spirit, deacons are doing the ministry of pastoral care for all members. Mission Committee is leading efforts for a statewide outreach of disaster relief, asking for volunteers, for you and me to step up and help, to be the hands and feet of Jesus where there is suffering right outside our door in, in our state. The Session Task Force is making decisions about who we are, what we're called to be and to do in our future. The Stewardship Finance Committee is diligently working to see that we're fiscally sound and living within a budget. Volunteers are stepping up in a myriad of ways, saying, we're in this together, and we're all called to serve with our time and our talent and our resources. Children's ministry is ready this week to welcome a new staff member who will teach our children the good news of Jesus Christ. The green team is saying, we must be good stewards of our environment 
and to care for this earth. And together, we will be on the cutting edge of all of those efforts. Now, all of those activities that I mentioned are done outside of a Sunday morning. It is the church. And yes, we come together to worship, but we go forth to serve. We don't come to get our little bit of Jesus and go home. We come to step up and be the church in this community and beyond. Remember, in, in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, if you have thought of leadership, if you want to be in more involved, think of the number of ways that this church can use your gifts and your talents. Once the disciples did that, it was amazing the surprising things that happened. Suddenly, this group of men who seemed to have little to show up to this point for three years of work, suddenly were saying words that sound like what Jesus would have said and began to do things that only they sought Jesus do. They became brave and capable and wise. Christ's presence was with them. It was as though Jesus put all of his holiness, his compassion, his words into them, into us. And that is what is happening here. We go to church to worship, to acknowledge the Lord's presence, and we sing, and we pray, and we be still, and we make promises, and we hold our hands and receive Holy Communion, and then we go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to truly be the church with the assurance that we are not abandoned. And we do not have to look toward heaven. We come together, we look around, and we see the risen Christ. Amen.